Hi everyone and welcome back to our podcast. Um, we're here today with Sam Dyer. So we've got Michael McLaughlin and Sam Dyer here just to chat about property investment. Um, I'm going to let the boys kind of take the lead with this and just, you know, go back and forth with their thoughts Good. on everything. Excellent. Thank you very much, Lauren. Appreciate it. Um, so, Sam, um, let me say to everyone first, so first of all, I've worked with Sam for uh, a number of years now, and he's someone who's held in, in high regard um, regarding his knowledge of uh, the property market and particularly property investment. And what I thought people might find um, to be of interest, Sam, to begin with, was just a little bit of your background um, and how you got to where you are today, uh, the journey that's brought you uh, thus far. Could you, can you share some of that with us? Yeah, Michael, first of all, Michael Lauren, thank you very much for inviting me mm-hmm. onto the podcast. It is a pleasure. Um, so, yeah, my background, where, where do I start? I you know, went to school like most people, and my, my dad in particular used to go on about how I should go to university, get a degree, get a job with a blue chip company, and I'd be sorted for life. And so I sort of went, okay, and I trundled along. But one thing he did say to me was, invest in your pension and he used to go on about the stock market he used to say you know you want a bit of security and um, but he never ever talked about property funny or funny enough and so i kind of followed this grand master plan went and got a, a civil engineering degree and i can remember sitting in my flat at uni and i went to uni in dundee by the way mm-hmm. And the Good was, university, same university as I went to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all the best people graduate from Dundee. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a couple of big landlords in Dundee that owned streets and streets. I just remember sitting there and my landlord... Was that like Mr. Sword and Mr. Barafati? It was... Uh, they were the big ones when I was there. It was Shahid Jamal. All oh, right. Okay. I think there's, it's gone down a couple of generations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one was a- 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 AKG or something. Right, okay. I can't remember any. Um, but... And I remember thinking his job is literally just driving about collecting rent. That is his job. I'm like that's so cool. And I thought, hmm. So what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to my dad. I'm gonna go get this job. Uh, I'm gonna earn loads of money, and then I'm gonna just buy houses. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I went and did. So I I graduated. I got my first job. I ended up going offshore. Um, I lasted about three and a half years. <laughs> I started buying flats. What was the first one you bought? So the first one, so actually, funnily enough, um, I, I should have mentioned, I didn't grow up in Dunfermline, I grew up near Stonehaven. Yeah. But when I graduated, me and my, who's my girlfriend, who's my wife now, we moved moved to Dunfermline because she got a job in Edinburgh. And because I was working offshore, I was like, well, I'll come with you, I kind of think that's fine. And we rented a flat in Rose Crescent when we came down. Mm-hmm. And it was so cheap, it was like £390. We split that in half, and then everything was split in half. And obviously, I was earning offshore money, it was like peanuts. And the, the plan originally was to save up this big deposit, because my dad kept saying, get a big deposit, you need, or well, the interest will actually kill you. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> and in hindsight. And I get it, right? But in hindsight, no, I should have just, I should have bought a flat when I was in Dundee. And knowing what I know now, I could have bought a wee one-bed flat and... Yeah. Oh, there, but anyway, the, the rest is history. So, um, I'm going to skip to the set. The first flat that I bought as a first-time buyer, because I woke up one day and go, wait a minute, I need to just buy something. 
was on Castlewood Park, and it was Elaine that sold me that for like oh, right. okay. local. And I can oh, remember that's Elaine from here. Yeah, Elaine from the locals. Yeah. And that was in 2014. And I can remember, I've still got the brochure, I think. And I can remember saying to her, What would the rent value be? Because in the back of my head, mm-hmm. I thought, if I live here a bit, at some point I'll move on and maybe I'll rent it out. And I can remember her writing on the card 525 to 575. I've still got it, the brochure. <laughs> and I can remember that. Um, you wouldn't get that now. You get more like seven fifty for it now, because yeah. the market's just gone wild. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so so I bought my first flat there, and then four months later, I bought a buy to let in Carlisle Lane. That wasn't the local that sold yeah. it, unfortunately. But <laughs> um, so Carlisle Lane is, I wouldn't buy there again. No, yeah, for the former local authority. Yes. The, 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 the blocks there have been done up recently, no? Yeah, nice. they, they they rent very very well. well. Yeah, the capital growth has been non-existent. Yeah. Um, so I sold that. That's maybe interesting, maybe we can return to that as to how you weigh yep. up yield, monthly mm-hmm. return to cover your costs against, you know, capital growth and where the, is, is there a trade-off uh, to be made and how do you factor in that decision into your own decision-making process? Mm-hmm. You can maybe circle back to that. Yeah, so the thought process at the time was simply save up a deposit, buy a property and then just stick on a repayment mortgage and save on the next deposit. And literally it was right, I went to 7% yield. I can't actually remember where I got that figure from. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it had to be a two bed, not a three bed. I didn't want it to be a one bed because that's risky because it'll turn around a lot. And there's so many like things. I look back and I go, wow, I was so uneducated, but so naive perhaps. Just, and I thought I just, so I did that. And I just bought it, stuck a tenant in and just forgot about it. And then I kept it for a few years, and the only reason I got rid of it because the rent it was five hundred in twenty fifteen, and then it was five nine five in twenty twenty one. Sold it twenty twenty two, tenanted, and obviously you did the conveyance yeah, cycle. Yeah. You might remember that one, yeah, because it was an issue with the title. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I got rid of that. From, the, from a rental perspective, it was really really good, but the capital growth it basically went up ten thousand pounds in value over a period of. Like seven years, mm-hmm. which and uh, to put it into perspective, there was um, properties I bought later than that that went up like 40, 50 grand in value in the same period. So it was pretty, pretty dire, should I say? And it was a, a bit of a lesson in no uh, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So that that was first. Can, can I ask you? Are you, ha- are you happy to share with us Sam, how many properties you have in your portfolio now? That that question is is kind of like how big is it? You know, um, you know, I could have a thousand flats in Methil, or I could have a hundred in Mayfair in London. Mm. So I prefer, I much prefer. I say this to my clients: your portfolio values yeah. more. Actually, well, you probably heard the phrase "turnover vanity, profit sanity, cash flow is king." Say that to my so, say that to my, my, yeah. my colleagues constantly that uh, yeah, but a lack of profit is like a cancer; it will kill you slowly. <laughs> a lack of cash flow is like having your your throat cut; it will kill you instantly. Um, and you know, it's it's getting the bat, it's getting the balance, isn't it? So, 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 so my my play on that with property portfolio is the portfolio value value mm-hmm. is your vanity, the equity is your sanity, yeah, and the cash flow is king, yeah. Um, all I'll say is, if you're really interested, you can look me up on Company's House and do your own. Pick it out for yourself. So, <laughs> so you talked about earlier on one of the first 
properties you had this idea in your head, you weren't sure where you got it from at the time, 7% yield. Given where we are today, with you know the exponential growth, there's been in property prices since uh, COVID, which we've touched on before in podcasts. That you know, who would have thought that a, a, a global pandemic would have um, you know turbocharged the property market as opposed to cause it to crash, you know, um, beyond beyond redemption. And of course, that you know, then we've seen you know um, inflation go through the roof and interest rates respond to try to control that. So mortgages and borrowings all, all the more expensive. Um, but as we know, supply still doesn't meet the demand there is in the rental market but, and, and rents continue to rise. Scottish government intervention hasn't helped and that's caused rents to rise at a higher rate in Scotland as we all know than any other part of the UK that is incontrovertibly linked to uh, Scottish government decisions that, in that regard. What would you think now, yield-wise? What, 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 what do you and the investors that you um, you coach and mentor, what, what are you suggesting as a target figure? In terms of yield? Yeah. <clears throat> so, I think not a lot of investors, well, actually not a lot of investors, I think investors that are starting out can focus on yield, but it's not really something I worry about too much. Okay. As long as it's not too low, because really the way, the way that I do property now, I don't just buy it and do nothing and rent it out. Mm -hmm. I usually do some bits and pieces to extract yeah. some value, recycle the capital. So what would be the lower end that, you know? So lower end, so what you'll find is the problem is, so obviously if you're doing like a renovation, for example, and you're refinancing at the back end to release capital, the problem you have with a low yield is you end up with a really low cash flow. So if you start going down to about 5%, you'll run into cash flow issues. And particularly now, um, with the interest rates being higher, 7% was kind of just, in my eyes, just sort of all right, stable. Mm -hmm. If you're hitting 8, 9, you're getting really high. And then if you're going into double digits, you need to be really, really careful because you're sailing around pretty rough territory. Now, Dunfermline's quite a unique area because there's not very many bad areas. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, there's, there's areas where not so good, but yeah. I mean, I invest all over Scotland. I've got stuff in Aberdeen, I've got stuff in Glasgow, I've got stuff down Kilmarnock way. And there's some areas, particularly Glasgow, there's some really, really poor areas yeah. where you just would not touch and you can get double digit yields. It looks exciting, but there's a yeah. whole load of hassle that comes with that. Yeah. But what's really important is if you say have a property valued at 100 and you buy it for 100, you've got a yield of X. If you buy the same property for £80,000, your yield goes higher. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where it starts getting warped a bit. Mm -hmm. And it depends on what, what, where you leverage to. You leverage to 100, you leverage to 80, yeah. you over 75% yeah. mortgage. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all, it's not a black and white answer. Sorry. Just to be listening, so, so leverage, and obviously talking then about you know the funding and how, how that works and how much you're putting in. The, your experience, just briefly, I mean, obviously, I appreciate um, Sam, you're, you're, you're not, um, you know, a mortgage specialist or, 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 or whatever, but clearly you know your way around the market. Um, how is the, the buy-to-let um, mortgage market at the moment? In terms of... In terms of availability, in terms of rates, arrangement fees, sometimes people forget about, you know, are, are, are you seeing things, you know, since the car crash that was Liz Truss and Quasi Quarteng, uh, and you know, interest rates going up through through the roof, and a lot of products being withdrawn at that stage. Are we seeing them coming back to the market, and are rates, you know, 
um, settling down a bit? Oh yeah, there's loads of availability of products. My area of expertise is more in um, owning properties and companies. Yeah. I don't want anything personal anymore, I got rid of it all. Mm-hmm. Not just tax reasons, a whole manner of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's more hassle having different entities yeah. paying rent to you, different set of accounts. You've, it's also, uh, there's this way I describe it is if you have properties in your personal name, it's taking up space in your tax return. Mm-hmm. So most people in business aim to earn bang on the 40%, yeah. it's 42% in Scotland, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Tax band. And you just take salary dividends. If you yeah. have property income, it's up and it's down all the time. And it makes it very difficult to plan your extraction, basically. Okay. You obviously want to optimise so your extraction. That's good, good advice. So, so it, it's, it takes up space in your tax. And you, you, don't know, you don't really know exactly what it's going to be. You don't know what rent's going to come in. You don't know what your expenses are yeah. going to be. You don't know what your property's going to be. Then you've got the, the mortgage interest tax relief's been removed. Yeah. It just makes it really complicated. Yeah. So there's, it's not just about tax relief. It's no. about simplification. Yeah. Uh, making it really, really simple. Because so, I was going to say, like, to mm-hmm. someone like me, who's never done it, doesn't really know, doesn't mm-hmm. know anyone that really does it, like, my family have never bought and rented out properties and things like that, like, somebody new coming into it, it it's a lot, it's a lot to think about, you're like, what do I need to do, yeah. who do I need to speak to, do I need a financial advisor, do I need an accountant, do I need, like, I think that's it, I mean, I think, you know, uh, in whatever one does uh, in, in like business wise um, is finding um, professionals that you, mm-hmm. that, that that you, you trust, trust that yeah. you trust um, so you know that and people be, that have started from scratch as well have not just been handed yeah. it you know what yeah. I mean like someone that's been like I've started where you were yeah. 10 years ago 20 years ago whatever and like I was in the same position as you well, I right, didn't right. know and All I had to thought, do it right, really really good point I'm going to answer that in a second but to answer Michael's question about the mortgages my, what, what I was trying to say is my sort of experience so the last years has been predominantly in getting mortgages for buy-to-lets in limited companies. The availability of lenders has got bigger and bigger and bigger as people moving towards limited companies. Okay. 99% of my clients are buying limited companies and I had a client, he bought a flat in Cowden Beef uh, two years ago with his personal name and I says, have you looked into limited companies? He was just like, whatever. And he, he came to me just a couple of weeks ago and said, do you know what? I want to sell it now because it's in my personal name. Uh, but he's got a tenant in there, and that's a whole other mm-hmm. range of issues. Um, so, and I was just thinking, yeah, is everybody the, the trajectory is to limit companies. So the more the availability of lenders is increasing generally since okay. a lot of the tax changes circa twenty sixteen. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. In terms of right now, obviously of the twenty two into twenty twenty three, mortgage rates shot up at the end of twenty twenty two. Yeah. They then sort of stalled and started. Even though the base rate was rising, yeah. it started coming down again, but it was more about um, the stability and where the expectations were. Yeah. Actually, I mean, I think a lot of lenders have priced, have priced yeah. in the fact that they know inflation will start to drop mm-hmm. quite rapidly. It has proven for the last two months to be a bit stubborn and not to, to have dropped as was, um, as, as was foreseen. But I haven't seen anyone that has said that by the end of the year, they don't expect inflation well, think, to be probably half of what it I is now. I think it is, it's going to keep falling. There was actually a f- thing on the Financial Times, which I shared on Instagram just a couple of days ago on my story, and it was like a graph, and it showed the US inflation, which is yeah. dropping like a cliff, the yeah. Eurozone inflation dropping like a cliff, yeah. and the UK inflation dropping, but not as fast. Yeah. And you would hope, well, if the rest of the world start to drop, it'll follow suit. But... In terms of without, without getting political, we've got we've got additional factors such as the additional <laughs> cost of Brexit, the fact factored in there, which sadly is a factor and is does you know 
put a, a percentage point or so um, on onto our inflation rate. But yeah, ho hopefully we will see it, and that's why it may come down and interest rates will drop, which is why, as you're saying, the interest rates that one can get on fixed rate deals, etc., are dropping well, because it's, it's yeah. priced in. So as well as the base rate, a lot of mortgage uh, products are linked to what they call the Sonia swap rate, which is predicting where the base rate will be um, or average mortgage rates will be over the next That's the two I, I, years. I don't know who, my, my inquiry is, who is Sonia? I think, I think you, it stands you, for something. You, but it used to be the LIBOR rate, didn't it? You well, used to talk about was, the LIBOR rate. So That's exactly it, what, Michael, exactly what I was going to say about the LIBOR one assume, rate. One assumes it's so, a sort of placement. Yeah, they changed it and yeah. I got a ton of letters in the post about the mortgages I had saying, you know, used to, you know, your variable rates based on the LIBOR rate but now it's going to be based on the Sonia swap rate. It's, it's very oh, much right. the same thing. So oh, good. Obviously, look into yeah. this. But they're hey, predicting... Who's, who's Sonia? <laughs> we, want, we, want, we want the t-shirts made up, uh, Lauren. Who's Sonia? Who's Sonia? That, who's Sonia? But, right. yeah. They're obviously... So if a lender's you're offering you a five-year fixed rate, they kind of need to have an idea of where yeah. they think the base rate's going to be yeah. in the next five years. Yeah. So because of that, the base rate continued to rise, but the mortgage rates mm. were falling because they know the, the predictability. But the other thing you've got to bear in mind is Unlike the financial crash of 2008, the lenders are absolutely sitting on massive capital reserves right now. They have the money, they need to lend it. If lenders don't lend money, they can't make money, so they have to lend it. So what then happens is, if a dwindling pool of buyers who are, oh, oh, the interest rates are going up and all the rest of it, or a dwindling pool of transactions, they then need to drop their rates to get competition. Yeah. And obviously they've got a margin. So we're, we're seeing the rates fall, but what's happened is, they've fallen to a certain point and certainly limited company buy a letter hovering around 5%, you can get under, you can get slightly over, and it all depends on which lender you're going to and all the rest of it. But what we're see what I'm seeing a lot of is, oh, there's a limited edition product at 4.5. Wow, that's cheap, it's got 3% fee. And so what, what we're seeing a lot more of now, certainly in 2022, I was taking out a lot of finance that was just, this is the rate, no fees. And we have a small product fee, and then there was cash back, there was all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Now we're seeing a lot more of uh, trying to, Drop the rates, the headline rates low, and a lot of the whacking on big fees. Yeah. I think that's you know, yeah. from a buy to let investor, well, adding a little bit onto the loan isn't the end of the world because if you're you want your cash flow to kind of be okay, um, so that's that's yeah. kind of what's happening. Right so now. again, so pulling, coming back then from sort of getting too too technical on this. So would you say um, looking at where the market is because clearly um, the the doomsayers who you know especially after. Um, you know, the intervention of Liz Trust, etc. Things have gone on. We're not going to political. I don't think there's anyone really going to defend Liz Trust, no, no matter what your politics are. Um, <laughs> you know, the Tory party are doing their best to disassociate themselves with her. Um, the, if, if the, um, yeah, so where we are, so the, the, the property market, we haven't seen the drop in prices, anything like people said there was going, going to be, I mean, we've hit target for, for sales each of the, the, the four months of this year. We're still averaging five, four and a half, five percent above home report. Prices in this area are still rising at around about two percent per annum, etc. So we've got, you know, quite a robust market. We've talked about the, the, the rates, uh, etc. Two questions then, uh, Sam. Firstly, Sorry, Michael, just... Mm. Laura, do you want me to answer Lauren's question before we swing again? Absolutely. What was Lauren's question? You, you, were, um, you were asking about um, somebody who's who's had no background. Somebody that has yeah. had no experience, yeah. no background, no knowledge, no no nothing. They've not got you know 
they have any experience. They, uh-huh, they, yeah. they don't have anyone that they can rely on to kind of give them that advice. But they're like, well, that's something I really want to do. I'm, I'm really interested in it, but where do I start? So that was Who me. Do I talk exactly to? me, right? That's exactly where I was. No one in my family did property mm-hmm. at all. And it was sort of a, you know, being a, well, actually, there was a couple, there was a, a slight sort of nudge from the family in terms of, I remember my dad, so my dad worked in oil and gas as well. And he said, oh yeah, these guys offshore, they like buy all these houses yeah. and they retire early and they top up their pension. And that's all he said, but he never did it. He just said, oh, it's a thing that they do. And then being at university in my little one bed flat, sitting there going, this guy just drives about collecting rent. He's got really flat, flash cars and everything. And I'm like, hmm, okay, this must be something. You know, everybody knows that owning property, you get make money. So I just did, you know, as I said, walked into an estate agent, bought a flat, you pretty much paid valuation for it and just did nothing to it. Mm-hmm. But what, what the massive thing that changed for me, so I was offshore, right, and I had this whole life moment where I was like, right, okay, there's more to life than money. Everybody mm-hmm. likes money and all the rest of it, but my um, sister-in-law had just given birth to her first child, and we were quite closely involved. And then there was a second one on the way, and I just remember being out offshore and, like, the guys around me just moaning, like, Missing my son's football game, missing my daughter's pregnant. And I was like, do you know what? I've only got one life. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not having this. And then I started trying to figure out what could I do to, re- mm-hmm. you know, to replace my job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up getting a job um, you know, with, with McCray McCray down mm-hmm. the town. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what had actually happened was I basically put a suit on, knocked up my CV, um, kidded on, I knew all about landlording. So one of the th- one of the things that I'd missed when here. <laughs> yeah, there's one thing I missed here. My brother at the same time had graduated and he's like, this is straight A's, he's got a PhD from Cambridge now and all that, he's just, I got my, I got my bachelor's and that was enough for me, but so he ended up, yeah, he ended up getting seconded to Dubai and he was just making all this, piling all this money up and I says, you should buy property and he goes, all right, so the kind of relationship we have, he basically gave me power of attorney to sign all his legal papers because it was just, it was more for him, it was just the hassle of how, how do we figure that out because he was away in Dubai, so I went and found him a flat, he bought it and then I ran it for him. So when I was trying to get off the rigs, I knocked up my CV. I got offered a job at Euromove, but it was in Falkirk. And the money was, I didn't know that. Uh, uh, the didn't money know. was not so good. McRae and McRae offered me quite good money. And I also got offered a job at Premier Rentals in Kirkcaldy. But again, the money wasn't as good. And then so McRae and McRae, I went in and I basically says, look, and I think it was about timing because he'd lost a surveyor recently that looked after all his rentals. I basically... I'm quite a technical guy, right? And I just, Scottish Association of Landlords was like my Bible, because they had a list of all the compliance, and I just went, well, that's what I need to know, and just ticked it all off. And then I obviously came in, and I talked the talk, and he goes, well, do you know what? We need someone to look after the rental stuff, and I need, I'm looking for an estate agent. And I thought, well, they, these guys, they sell land and all that. Mm-hmm. So ag- they're agricultural surveyors yeah. that um, they do a lot of like farm, yeah. selling farm, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, um, and so I went there and I learned quite a bit, but I mean, I didn't want to sell houses. Selling houses doesn't excite me at all. Building a portfolio excited me. You don't know what you're missing, no. Sam. You don't so know what you're missing. Do, do, do you know what I'm In a nutshell, right? You sell a house and it's done. Then you have to get the next one, the next one. Yeah. A portfolio, it's basically you're building up an asset base. Yeah. You're building your net worth. Yeah. And that's kind of exciting to me. So you have to do something that excites you, though, and that gives you the passion. I think in that's a Wait, do you want me to like just, sell houses and set up an estate agency? Yeah, no, yeah. No, 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 rather you do. Uh, but you know, again, learning what I'm saying, just being aware of time. Um, 
is that, yeah, like most things in, in life professionally, um, if, you're, if it becomes a business, is surround yourself with people that you trust. So, and with property and for Sam, I'm sure you'd say, you know, good relationships with estate agents, but I mean, you know, good solicitor, and you might not always even mm-hmm. just always have the one solicitor, especially if you're, you know, um, spreading yourself far, far and wide from Kilmarnock to Aberdeen and Stonehaven and all the rest. Um, so professional advisors, accountants, um, and I think accountants so, are, so this are, is where are I was vitally, going, sorry, vitally my, my story's getting a bit long-winded, but basically while I was working there, I accidentally set up Diary Co. Basically thought, do you know what? I'm um, scared myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what basically happened was a mortgage broker reached out to me on LinkedIn. And he says, we'd like to meet for coffee, blah, 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 sending each other work, cool. He came in the office and chit, chat, 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 and all this. And then as he was leaving, he cottoned on that I was in the buy to let. And he goes, he goes, I run a networking event over in Edinburgh. Come along, you know, it's free to blah, blah, blah. It's basically there'll be 20 odd property investors in a room, chit chatting. And I'm like, well, that sounds good. And I went along and I can remember coming away from that meeting like, wow, there's like literally organized gatherings of people that are wanting to build their portfolios. I was like, this is nuts. And it was him that put the idea in my head, there's people out there that will pay you a fee, find them a property because they're too busy in X, Y, and Z. And then if you go manage it for them, then, oh yeah, great. So that was my business model. It was, yeah, you know, charge a piece of consultancy fee. It was an agency fee because I was basically an estate agent, but for the buyer. Mm-hmm. So I'd go and find the property, do the due diligence, appraise it, present it to the investor. They paid me a fee and then I got to put the tenants in. The problem was, after you built up a bit of a portfolio, is I hated dealing with maintenance and all that mm, sort of stuff. Yeah. And to cut a long story short, I merged my business with a business in Glasgow, and that's where Tracy comes in. Yeah, all right. Tracy Lang. She's been in lettings like 25 years, worked in some really big companies. So we merged the companies. She effectively was the operations director, I was business development and finance. And then we just scaled the company up. So that's obviously for the management, and that's just sort of Glasgow, Edinburgh, and everyone in the middle. Meanwhile, for my own investing, um, the journey, I, having gone to that event, it opened up a whole world. There's literally a community across Scotland of investors, and it's like it's hidden, it's in plain sight, but it's hidden, it's so accessible, but people just don't engage with it. And then when that, it just turbocharged, and then... So Sam, if mm-hmm. just to cut across here, so if we, um, if anyone listening to this thinks, oh right, that, that, that's interesting, I would like to attend such such events mm-hmm. um, if they were to contact us and we could then put them in contact with you uh, to, to to take them to these or, or to, you know to introduce them to these events and to to bring them on board would that be something you'd be happy to do absolutely well I know we've got a meeting in the diary next week yeah um, we can go all over some of this stuff okay. but absolutely yeah yeah they can reach out yeah. to you guys it's like networking yeah, and getting yeah. to know the right networking. people absolutely so, 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 well, um, so. yeah, they, yeah they can reach out to my local associates and obviously Good. I'll fill you in with all yeah. bits and pieces that you can Excellent. share with them one maybe sort of final area I just wanted to go look at and again we've kind of touched on it's cropped up a couple of times about yields and yeah you, know, mm-hmm. you can look and get an astonishing yield on some place but you know it might be in the, the a poor area and Whilst the, the maxim about you know buying the worst house in the best street as opposed to the best house in the worst street is more to do with the residential purchase, it holds good for, for, for a property portfolio um, as well, obviously. Um, and would that be something you would say to people? Is just you know don't be blinded by the the the, the purchase price, a low purchase price, and what appears to be a high yield, because obviously if you're in the wrong area and there's 
you know, it's rough, yeah, it's so criminal activity, and then you have void periods, mm -hmm. it's going to blow your, your, your projections out of the water. If, you know, you, you've got a flat that's void more often than it's empty, mm -hmm. more often than it's occupied. So, I've been on a to total journey um, in terms of, I like holding high-end houses now, because mm -hmm. you make the real money at the growth, but what you, what I've kind of come come around to realise is, is, what's the best advice for somebody starting out? And my advice always is, um, don't go for the low-hanging fruit, the really low-end stuff. The high-end stuff's going to be difficult, perhaps, to fund. Go for that middle of the road, but decent stock. And what's really important is, right, yes, will it rent? Make sure will it rent. You can phone up three different lighting agents and get their opinion, uh, and you'll soon kind of get a vibe of, is this a good area? But also, Will it sell well? And even if you're buying it with the intention of holding it forever, would it sell well? Now, why is that important? Because if it sells well, that's an indication of the capital growth prospects. It's an indication of, well, if you fall on hard times or if the government change the rules too much, yeah. that's not viable, can you exit it like that? And so for an area like Dunfermline, when I was, obviously when I started up the business of people would pay me a fee to go find properties, X, Y, and Z, I zoned in on three bedroom ex-local authority houses. Yeah. No flats, it's all houses, and you know, rather than like your sort of your old one bed flats in Priory Lane that were sixty thousand pounds for years and years and years and years and years, and nobody would buy them. And I know Michael, you've written some really good articles about this online about first time buyers skipping the one bed flats. Yeah, yeah. And the low interest rates has meant they could skip that and yeah. go straight into a house. But your three bedroom ex council house, I mean, we were picking them up. So like Abbey View, £105,000 for a mint condition three bed house. Those same houses, what are they selling for now? One forty. Same bit Whereas your flat Priory Lane's gone from what, 60 to 70, and maybe it's still yeah, 70 or 65, right. or it's, right. you know, it's hovering. Yeah. And they'll rent, but more importantly, with the three bed house in Abbey View, you were getting 650 back in 2017, 18, and now you'd get 800 mm -hmm. plus. Mm -hmm. And so if you've bought in at 105,000 and getting 650, you've got a yield of, it's probably around 7%. But if you're, you bought in 105, but you're now getting 800, your yield's gone up. But you're also sitting on an asset that if you decide to sell it, everyone's yeah. jumping on it. Yeah. So I always say to people that the houses that are in massive demand, that's really what you want to buy and hold. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we see that for the tables. I mean, you know, three, three bedroom semis are, and whether it be former local authority, three bed semis, be your classic Piccorthy, three-bed semi Absolutely. or your more modern three-bed semi with an own suite so the price range could go from especially if something needed a bit of work done to or you know um, out with the center of Fairman, you could be going from 125 up to 225 but that is what if you look at the average um, income and family size in Dunfermline, that's what it indicates people require, whether rental or purchase is, is three-bed semis but would you maybe recommend to people that you know, you had a little bit of uh, play in your portfolio. You maybe have a couple of two-bed flats in there, but look to build well, a little I'll tell you, bit, right, I'll tell you something. Spread. I've got a lot of flats, mm -hmm. and it's it's because of my business model. So I when I so I've actually the first flat I bought with my own money, I saved it up offshore, mm -hmm. and then I just bought it. Mm -hmm. Flat number two, um, what so again, Lauren, when I got into the networks and started learning about things and sort of strategies people used. And there was this thing, um, they talk about deposit recycling. So you basically take your deposit, you buy a property, you do some stuff, 
you take the deposit back out again, you buy another one, another one, another one. You just keep going. The problem is you go Yeah, the problem is you build up a debt bubble, and this is where a lot of people go wrong. And my my sort of take on it is well, you should be using the rental income to pay down the debt. So you clear it up behind you and you just keep going and going and going. Now, to add another layer to that, the way that I've scaled my portfolio is the money that I'm using to buy the property is I'm borrowing it on people. And then so basically I'm building a portfolio but putting no money into it. That's my business model in a nutshell. So what, what I did when I set up the limit company, so I incorporated in 2016, I thought, right, I'm going to go for this. And I started off, I borrowed 45,000 pounds. I bought a flat Kelty, 35 grand, spent four and a half on it. So I was basically, 40,000 pounds was spent. And then put a mortgage on it, that pulled the money back out. Um, and then I had the money to pay the investor back. And I had a flat that was just paying some income. Now I would not buy a one bed flat in Kelty, it's not a good rental stock. Um, it's done me all right, I've, I've, I've probably been lucky and the tenant's just absolutely amazing. Pays on the button and all that sort of stuff. But then what happens is after a while you get bored of buying one by one. Yeah. And so then you start buying in bulk. And so what the business model now is, is buying in bulk, generally on a bridging loan for speed, you'll sell some, you'll refinance others, and then you balance out. So basically the money you put in comes back out again. So, I mean, obviously- And you end up, yeah, you build a portfolio yeah, that way. It starts to become quite, quite technical, probably merits <laughs> another, another I, pod, I've tried to condense it, but a, a podcast on its own. So, <laughs> listen, that's been, Really, really interesting, Sam. Thank you so much for giving up your time for us um, today. As I say, there's probably future chats we could have yeah, because I say you're, you're all across property and there are other strings to your bow that, again, you, you sort of alluded to and maybe that would be something we can chat about. Well, if um, people find this, like, if they've really enjoyed this and they find it interesting there have been points that you've said that they're like, oh, I want you to go mm-hmm. deeper into yeah. that or, like, there was something that maybe I just, I want, you know, I want more of. We could always... People can let us know and then we can get you back in and be yeah. answering actually some say, of those questions and all those things. As we said, Lauren, we can make an introduction. You know, people want to talk to, to look at the, yeah. the, the networking events in a little bit more detail, then we could be more than happy yeah, to, to make an introduction to Sam. So thank you everyone for listening. Thanks again, Sam, for your time, Lauren, for setting it all up. And until the next time, we wish everyone a very good day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Alright, good.